Does God still speak to his church? Of course he does. Every single day you wake up, you have the privilege, if you have an ear to hear, God will speak to your life. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning. Good to see you back. Two weeks in a row. Come on now. That's a, that's a, that's a new day in Dodge, man. We're glad that you're back with us today. We got kicked off last week in a new sermon series. I know it says on your bulletin we're going to talk to Donald Trump today or let Jesus talk to him, but that's coming in the weeks ahead. Uh, they put that out a little early. We still need to hear ourselves from the Lord. So we're going to get there. Before we jump into the sermon series, Sean was telling you earlier about our need for the army to come together. We've not been able to do much in our community during these COVID days, but it's time that the church lead the way back to recovery. Uh, we're asking that as many of you who could provide your trunk to help us minister to children. They need something. They need to be able to get out. They need a blessing, and we're going to be that blessing uh, this year. Here's some examples of some other trunks. Each week, I'm just going to give you some examples. Here's somebody turned theirs into a cookie monster. I would have taken those, uh, you can see those little buckets in the car. I would have made the game. Each one needs a game, and we can give you a list if you sign up. If you need some help with volunteers to join you with your trunk, we'll help with that as well. Uh, I would have handed out uh, vanilla wafers and let them throw those wafers into that cookie monster mouth. That's what I might have done with that trunk. Take a look at the next one. You can see the next example. They have a toy story. They were able to decorate as uh, one of the characters from the movie and then decorated their trunk accordingly. Here's a third one real quick, and you can see how simple it can be. Here's some people just did some cutout stuff, went to the party store, found a bunch of Angry Birds stuff, and made their own trunk. We need at least 40 trunks out there in the uh, Annex parking lot. If you could be a part of that, please write trunk on your card. Not Trump, trunk, okay? Trunk on your card. Well, let's jump in. As we said last week, as we go into this new series, we need to learn how to have conversations today. We need to know how to be able to dialogue with people who think differently than you think. It's difficult these days. It's becoming more polarized and emotionally charged than ever before. And as we go back to Scripture, I want to look in on conversations Jesus had. I want to be able to speak into other people's lives like Jesus spoke into their lives. So while we have a series and we'll look at what Jesus says to Donald Trump or to Joe Biden or LeBron James... I want to spend a couple weeks, these next few weeks, first of all, the church needs to hear from Jesus. We need to know how to have Jesus conversations with those that God places in our path. And so last week we jumped in. If you have your Bibles, get to Revelation. We'll be at the last part of chapter 2 and into chapter 3 this morning. Has God ever spoken to his church? Of course he has. Does God still speak to his church? Of course he does. Every single day you wake up, you have the privilege, if you have an ear to hear, God will speak to your life. He will speak to you personally, and he will speak to you through his revealed word. In the book of Revelation, we have seven churches that God would highlight and would send a letter. He would speak into their life. These seven churches, many Bible scholars believe, would represent church history it would also be a reminder that what he spoke into those churches, he would still speak to his church today. What they struggled with over 2,000 years ago are still struggles for you and for me as well. We still have those struggles. And so as we look in and we see God speaking to these churches, remember the churches were not the brick and mortar. They were not certain just 
church buildings, he was speaking to his bride. He was speaking to the believers who were congregating in these places. Now, we looked at the first three churches there in Revelation chapter 2. The fourth church is Thyatira. That fourth church you can find in Revelation 2, 18 through 29. I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, on this one because basically they were the mirror image of the last church we looked at, the church there at Pergamos. They were known as an adulterous church. What does that mean, an adulterous church? It means instead of being fully devoted in their love relationship to Jesus, they were in love with the things of this world. Now, they were doing things for God. They were saying, oh, we love God. But then they were cheating on God during the rest of the week. They were showing up for worship, but during the week they were pursuing other lovers, the things of this world. As you look through this, uh, we find Jesus addressing the issue that they were uh, actually permitting immorality to thrive among their members. We look in uh, the world today and uh, Barna Group would tell us that there's as much immorality going on in the church as it is going on outside the church. That there's just as much uh, compromise in the house of God as there is outside the house of God. And so Jesus speaks into this church, and it's a one-word conversation. It's a word we're going to hear over and over again. It's a word that doesn't get preached often from pulpits in America anymore, but it's this conversation. Jesus loved his bride so much, he had this conversation. One word, repent. You're going to see that over and over and over again as he speaks to all seven churches. While many were doing several things well, there was always a need to repent. I hope that you don't think repentance is a one-time thing that happened years ago when you accepted Christ as your Savior. That repentance is a daily thing. It is, it is staying fresh in our walk with God. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says if we, are, uh, if we are willing to confess our sin and repent of that sin, God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's staying in that abiding relationship with the Lord, but here he says to the church one simple thing, repent. Come back to me. Come back to your first love. Quit cheating on me. Well, let's go down to the next church because the last three are where we need to dig in today. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. Now we're going to look at the church at Sardis. As he speaks to this group of believers, he may say something that speaks to you, a believer. At the very end, the last church, if you don't know the Lord, you know about God, he's going to speak to you as well. Look at verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis, right? He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. You ever heard the term frozen chosen? Speaking of a church that supposedly knows the Lord, but is ice cold dead. Well, that started all the way back at the church of Sardis. They were a church that looked alive because they were a busy church. They were gathering often. They were doing a lot of things supposedly in the name of God. He said, you look alive, but here's the problem. You're dead. There's no life in you. How is that possible? Well, there's several things to learn. Uh, As you look here at the first verse, he talks about he who has the seven spirits of God. Maybe when you read that, you just saw that poetically, but that is speaking a source of truth. He, God, And in this way, he defines himself. If you look at each letter he wrote to each church, he would use a different description or descriptor of who he is. 
For this church, he comes to him and says, I am the Lord God who has the seven spirits and the seven stars. There's a lot of symbolism here. And there have been great debates about what does it mean? I thought there was only one Holy Spirit. Now you have a picture of seven Casper the ghosts kind of floating through the air and, and these seven spirits of the church. And that's not what was being spoken of here. You remember as John was writing, he was writing in code often. As he was writing these letters, uh, it wasn't uh, received well by the Roman government for him to disperse these things. So he wrote things in symbolism. Some Bible scholars believe that when he talks about the seven spirits of God, it's speaking of the Holy Spirit, uh, prophesied Isaiah Chapter 11, verse 2. You don't have to turn there. I'll put it on the screen. Isaiah said, it speaks that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. What Isaiah prophesied were seven things that would be true through what the Lord Jesus would be for us as he took on earthly flesh, as he took on our sins on a cross, died, was buried, and rose again. And Jesus told his disciples, it is to your advantage that I leave. And they're like, whoa, 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 you can't leave. We've surrendered everything to follow you. And Jesus said, no, 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 you need to understand. When I'm trapped in this physical body, I can only be with you in this one place. But when I leave, when I resurrect, I will send you. Here's the advantage. I will send you the Holy Spirit. That wherever any of us who know Christ, he will always be with us. And the Spirit of Christ will be our power and our strength. The dynamis, the dynamite power of a holy God lives in you. The problem for this church, obviously, is he identifies he is the God of the seven spirits, these seven things. It's the spirit of God. They were bankrupt in the power of God. They were like many, and I'll just pick on Baptists today because that's just what I've grown up in. I uh, didn't always grow up in the church, but was saved, reached by a Baptist church. So I'm just going to pick on that that I know. We can show up for church. We can be busy serving God and still be dead spiritually without life, without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Baptist church has been famous for preaching Christ and Christ crucified and the need to receive Jesus as Savior. But I think we've done a poor job of equipping the church to understand our advantage. That we don't just receive Christ and then start working real hard for Jesus. We receive Jesus into our heart for a reason. Because he is the power that sets us free from sin. And he is the power that lives in us on a daily basis. that gives us the abundant life Christ promised. But if all you know is Jesus for salvation, but you don't know the power of the Holy Spirit in your sanctification, you will fail spiritually. You need that power. Romans 8 chapter 2 says, it's the law of the Spirit that has set us free. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, you are to walk by the Spirit. So what do we have here in this church? Not this church, PCBC, but what we're studying here with Sardis, is you had a church that knew the name of Jesus. Many who had received that name, received him into their life, and had been saved, but did not understand what it meant to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were spiritually dead. Look at verse 2. He goes on instruct and speak in their lives he says wake up wake up realize what's going on and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die for i have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my god see that word strengthen in verse two that word strengthen in the greek literally speaks of strength that comes from being rooted deeply 
It's a difference from a little weed that pops up and it looks like a flower in your yard, a dandelion, if you will, but it's actually a weed. It's not very deep-rooted. You can just pluck them out compared to an oak tree that can withstand the storms of Oklahoma weather. How do they make it? How does that oak tree stand firm? Because it is deeply rooted way down below the surface. Many Christians seem to just crumble at the first sign of any kind of calamity or persecution or trial or tribulation. And he says to this church, you can do all those things in your own strength, but you will crash and you will burn. You must be deeply rooted, abiding in me. That speaks of that Holy Spirit-filled life. And this church, while it looked good on the outside, they were dead on the inside. Verse 3. He's speaking to professional churchgoers who were not rooted in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says this to him: remember what you have received. Heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people who have not soiled their garments who walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life. If you look in on this, he's speaking to the reality of those that genuinely know him, have received him as Lord and Savior, and received the Holy Spirit. And he says, of those people, I will not erase their names from the book of life. I don't want you to read that as I did when I first became a Christian. thought, uh-oh, God has a holy eraser? Is it possible? And I started listening to the lies of the enemy who said, Bill, you better not mess up, man. You better not step out of bounds. If you do, he's going to get the eraser out. Boom, you're out of the book. It's not what he was saying here. If you know about the context, what John was writing from, they understood clearly in their day. I've preached on this some in the past. You may have listened in. When you were born in the world at that time, they didn't have computers. They had books and journals. Each city had their own books. And when you were born, your name was recorded as the living, those who were living. You remember Mary and Joseph when the census was sent out? They had to go back to Bethlehem. Why? Because that's the book their name was written in. That's where they were born. That's where they were from. They had to go back to there and verify that they were still living. Whenever you took your last breath on this planet, they would go back to that book of life and they would erase the name. They were no longer among the living. John uses that example to say this. Those who receive him, their name will not be erased from the book of life. Why is that? Jesus spoke this truth to Martha when they were having a funeral for her brother who had taken his last breath. And he said something very powerful. I share it at almost every funeral that I lead and do. Jesus said, Martha, understand this. That those who believe in me, those who have received me, though they die, they live. That those who believe in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, that'd be pretty hard to say, Jesus, my brother's dead. No, he's not. He's alive. There is more to life than this lifetime. And when I take my last breath, whenever that will be on this planet, I want you to know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life because I have received him. And I will forever live, therefore my name will never be erased because I'm alive in Christ. Are you? Are you? So he's writing to these in the church. The church was made up of those who were covered in the righteousness of Jesus. They were wearing the robes of white. They've trusted Christ. 
There may have been some, like many churches today, that are sitting in church who know the name of Jesus, grown up around church, but have never been saved. He goes on, and let's dig in to what he challenged them with. Verse 2 again, look at what he says. Number one, wake up. Number two, strengthen. Don't fall into the trap of being spiritually dead. There are some people right now really struggling. I get it. You feel spiritually dead and dry. Uh, this life stuff is in uh, sheltering at home and, and not being able to live like we used to live. It's wearing some people out. And, and it's led not only to emotional deadness, but also a spiritual deadness. Jesus would speak to you and say, one, just wake up. Realize where you are. Number two, strengthen what remains. Get rooted. Go deep again. Allow me to fill you with my spirit. Experience my power. Deeply abide in me and I will abide in you. There are some of us we just need to repent and say, God, I've been doing it in my own strength. God, I've been trying to live for you. I've been trying to struggle through this. God, I can't. That's a good news. That's, we can't. But I can do all things, including COVID, through Christ. Only through Christ. And when I do it through Christ, when I abide in him, he fills me with that dynamis, that power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm alive again, even though everything else around me seems dead. Wake up. Strengthen that which remains. Look at verse 3. Remember what you have received. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Write it down as a reference. Jesus told him to go and to wait in the upper room for Pentecost. And he said, I'm going to send you that advantage. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, then you'll be my witnesses. Here was a church trying to do the stuff of God without the power of God. Here was a church being busy doing things for God, but not abiding in God and letting the power of God alive in them. Experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit to be sufficient. Say to the Holy Spirit daily, God, fill me. God, use me. God, empower me. Remember what you have received. He goes on to say, and remember what you've heard. So it's being filled with the Spirit, and it's staying in the Word of God, letting that be the compass for your path. Keep it. Don't just hear it, but keep the Word. And as a result, it leads us to repentance. Church buildings can't repent. But that isn't the church. This brick and mortar called PCBC, that's not the church. You, who know Christ, are the church at PCBC. And he's speaking directly to each and every, of their heart, every one of their hearts, just like he speaks to your heart and mine. Do you have an ear to hear? Well, he keeps on speaking because there are more issues in the churches. Take a look at it. Go to verse 7 now, the church at Philadelphia, and we've got to quickly catch up. He now speaks to the faithful church. This is one of the few churches that... He just simply commends. He's going to point out four things that they were doing well. Now, before you get real excited about this church, I told you last week I had the privilege of going on a mission trip and seeing the seven churches of Asia Minor. As I went into Turkey and our missionary took us from site to site, I remember showing up at Philadelphia. I was excited to see this place and see and be on that ground that once was such a faithful church. And as we arrived, it broke my heart. We drove in on this dusty road, and he stopped, and I looked out, and there were just a few rocks kind of sitting on top of each other. And then you'd look over here, and there'd be the, kind of a, I guess it was a partial wall that had once existed, and maybe another little piece of a wall over here, and then just a bunch of rubble. 
A church that once was vibrant, a church that was doing everything well, no longer in existence. And we could barely speak the name of Jesus on that property because we were in the seabed of a Muslim community. Let's look at this church. What was going right? To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He is holy, he is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power. You've kept my word and you've not denied my name. Look at the first thing he says to him in verse 8. I know your deeds. Have you noticed that recurring theme? Over and over to each church, he would say, I know your deeds. Hey, I know your deeds. Hey, I get it. I, I, I see you working real hard for me. I know your deeds. And why does he point to that first? Because that's what most people bring to God. Well, if, God, if I'm going to get God's love, this is what we learn in the world, I have to do stuff to get that love. And to keep that love, I have to keep performing for God. And, and so he's reminding him, I see what you're doing. I see these good things. Praise, faith without works is dead. But if you're banking on those things to bring you God's love, you are greatly deceived. While he will recognize some of the great things they're doing, he points to a deeper issue. It's their being, who they are. And I want you to know as your Savior speaks to you and as he's been speaking to me, he's not real concerned about your resume and the stuff you're doing as much as who you are in him. He just wants to love you as his child. That's hard for us to rest in that. It's hard for us to believe that. And yet here he is speaking into that reality. So what does he commend them on? Four things quickly. Let's write them down. Number one, he commended them because they had an open door before them. That speaks to the issue of opportunity. They were a church that understood that God had placed before them in a unique place the opportunity to spread the gospel. And so have we. He calls it a door, an open door. What's the purpose of a door? Well, the purpose of a door is to keep things out, or the purpose of that door is a transition into another space. And what are you saying to the church is, listen, while everything in this world may be trying to shut you down, keep you inside, I have an open door, a door of opportunity. What I think Jesus would say to PCBC and his church in the world today is don't let COVID close the doors. Don't let COVID be an excuse for just shutting down. There's an open door. It may be different than we've ever seen before. It is going to be different than it's ever been before. But that doesn't stop the church. The gates of hell and a virus called COVID cannot stop God from building his church. Number two, they had a little strength. I looked up that word strength, and I was wanting to see, does that mean they were, they were trying to be strong for God? Is it speaking of natural strength? No, it's the word dynamis again. They, 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 would, they would serve God, and, and there would be times they would trust the Holy Spirit to empower them, and then they'd fall back to their old ways, and they'd just try to do stuff for God in their own strength. He says, at least, you trust me, at least there are times when you are allowing the Spirit of God to be alive in you. That's different than Sardis. Well done. But God still has more for his church. Number three, he says, and you've kept my word. That speaks to the issue of obedience. 
They were an obedient church. They lived their lives according to what God's word said, not what the world said. And the fourth thing, they had not denied the Lord. They were a church that was bold. Remember we studied Peter's life and Peter Peter began to kind of coast in his faith. He began to follow Jesus from a distance. He lost his boldness. Instead of walking obediently, he denied Christ three times. This church, God commends and says, you have allowed me to fill you with my spirit. You've gone through those doors of opportunity. You have been full of my power. You've been obedient to my word. And you have been bold for me. Well done, Church of Philadelphia. The sad news is that church no longer exists. Because somewhere along the way, while they were doing things well, they lost their way. I could stand here and I would and I do and I will. And I could easily commend the believers at PCBC. I could commend you on these very four, th- four things. Uh, we're over, we started a whole nother uh, worship service over in the wellness center. $10 million building built by the city that we partnered with. We took a step of faith. We took a door of opportunity. And that's paying off today and allowing us to reach people with the gospel. Right there. Crazy opportunity. Other opportunities that have opened up over at Putnam City North, Wiley Post Elementary, in New York City and around the world. And we've stepped through those doors into Zambia and other places. And God has multiplied gloriously his spirit and his power. You've been obedient to his word and you have been bold for him. That doesn't mean that if we don't stay strengthened deeply rooted in him that we won't like Philadelphia lose our way take you to the last church here Uh, let's listen to what he had to say to this church go to Revelation 3 verses 14 through 22 if you're still with me say "Uh uh-huh Woo, that's good stuff right there verse 14 to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the amen the faithful and the true witness The beginning of creation of God says this. Notice how he refers to himself here now. He he speaks of the being the God, the amen. The beginning of creation, the one who birthed life, who also is the author of new life. This was a church that was lukewarm. Many Bible scholars will debate, is this a church of believers or non-believers? I'll bring you some context here in just a moment. I know your deeds. There it is again. I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing, you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, white garments so you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, that you would find eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, what? Let him hear. How would you like that? Your pastor gets up and says, hey church, 
We got a special delivery Instagram from heaven, a message from God just for our church. Man, everybody's buckled in. If you're with me, say uh-huh. And everybody's like, uh-huh, yeah, well, give it to us. I know your deeds. You're lukewarm. You're not rich. You're wretched. You're not clothed in white. You're naked. Now can I get an amen from the congregation? No way. No way. He can't be speaking to us. That was somebody else's letter. He was speaking to a church that thought they were doing it right. They had all kinds of things going on. They were doing all these deeds for God. And he said, you are wretched. He said, uh-oh, here comes the hellfire Baptist brimstone. They ain't a Baptist in this deal. This is the Lord Jesus speaking to a church called Laodicea. And as we dig into this, there's a lot of things we got to see and we got to learn, know the context. Laodicea was a very prosperous city. It was a very successful city. It was probably the richest city in that region of the world. It was the banking and financial city, uh, center of Asia Minor. As I said, it was the wealthiest of all cities because it was located at the junction of two major trade routes. They were famous for their wealth, their fine black wool garments that were heralded around the world, and a special healing eye salve along with many other luxuries. Like America, this church was different than the other churches. This church prospered. This church, a matter of fact, had all kinds of freedoms, had all kinds of luxuries, and what they considered their blessings of all their wealth was actually their curse. And I would tell you that's true of America today. The curse that we face, the struggle we face, is our prosperity. We've had it easy. We're a soft church in America. We've not gone through persecution. We've not gone through difficulties. And because we have everything we think we need, we don't need God. You go to Korea. You go to China. You meet with believers in those countries. And you'll see a whole different faith. Is it possible that the church in America has become the church of Laodicea? Prosperous, glorious facilities and buildings, and yet lukewarm? Look at the famous rebuke, verse 15. He says, I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. Many of you have heard this preached, and I would tell you you've heard it preached incorrectly. How many times have you heard it said, man, God wants you to be hot for him, or he would rather you just be cold. He'd rather you just not even live for him. You ever heard it preached that way? Totally incorrect. How do I know? Because I've seen the church of Laodicea. I've seen things I wasn't able to see until I visited that particular spot in Turkey. Look at this map up on the screen, and maybe it'll make more sense to you. As you look in on this region of what now is modern-day Turkey, you find Colossae, you find Laodicea highlighted there with the red balloon, and you see Heropolis. You see those three cities? We traveled around after we'd been to Philadelphia. He took us over to Colossae, and we, we stepped out, and, and we're like, where's the ruins? Where's Colossae? He says, you're standing in Colossae where the church was. Well, there's, there wasn't even a, a, a piece of the church left. He said, oh, that's because it's buried all the way underneath. You're standing on top. We were on this high place, which once was a vibrant church that was now buried. 
tens of hundreds of feet deep. And he said, I want you to look across. And here we were in Colossae, and he said, I want you to look north. And we would look from Colossae all the way, and we could see across that valley to Heropolis. And it would sparkle in the sunlight. And it was built into the side of cliffs and walls, and you could see this glorious city that still remains today called Heropolis. He says, let me tell you about Heropolis. Heropolis is an amazing city. It's been historically a wonder of the world. He says they've always been known for their therapeutic hot springs. Anybody ever heard of Hot Springs, Arkansas? Famous place. People with older joints love Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's a great retirement village. Because in those hot springs, people go just like Heropolis. They would go and they would get in these little hot tubs, natural hot tubs, with this bubbling hot water that would bring healing, would bring peace to their bodies that were suffering. We were looking at Heropolis, a place known for their hot springs, and he said, what you may have missed down there in the valley, you know what was between Colossae and Heropolis? Laodicea. Oh, I've heard of that church, the lukewarm church. Yeah, he says, so let's go to Revelation. Let's look at the church at Laodicea. And when God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, know what he was saying. They understood in that day what he was saying. Because if you look, go back to that uh, map, I'm sorry. Go back to the map real quick. Colossae, if you can see the darkness down there to the south of Colossae, that was a mountain range. Snow-capped mountains. And Colossae was known not for hot springs, but they were known for their cold, cool, refreshing water. And in between the cold water of Colossae and the hot springs of Heropolis, you find Laodicea who said, we can be like the world. We can have all the things of this world, and we can still do stuff for God, and we can still call ourselves Christian, but there be no difference. God said, I would rather you be a place of refreshment like Colossae or a place of healing like Heropolis, but don't settle for the middle. Don't be like Laodicea. Repent. So it isn't that God wants you to be hot for him or just reject him and be cold. He doesn't want anybody to be cold for him. He wants us to be like Colossae, a place of refreshment, a place people would come to because they needed good, clean water. And Laodicea down there in the valley, it was stagnant water. That's what lukewarmness gets you, stagnant water. Jesus says, I'll be your living water. You abide in me. Notice what he says to them. He says to this church, Go to verse 18 quickly. We've got to wrap it up. I'm, I'm late again. I got in trouble last week. I advise you to buy from me gold refined from fire. This is why I believe this was a church that was filled with people but not Christians. They didn't know the Lord. Uh, maybe it's generations later, their grandparents maybe started the church, and now generations later, they gather for church, but they don't know the Lord. How do I know that? He says, I tell you, church, he speaks to the whole church, you buy from me gold refined with fire that you may become rich. He said, you're bankrupt. You're wretched. Those who are in Christ have the riches of God's grace. We aren't perfect. 
It doesn't mean we've arrived, but we have the riches of God's grace. We are his heirs. We are his children. He's speaking to bankrupt people who were sitting in churches but didn't know the Lord. He goes on and says, and you need white garments. You may clothe yourself in your nakedness. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned? They lost their righteousness. What did they notice the first thing? They were what? Naked. God had to give them new clothes. I needed new clothes. I needed a new me. I needed to be born again. And when I received Christ, he gave me the garments of Christ's righteousness. These people had never been saved. They had never been clothed. He says, in that eye salve that you're famous for in your city, you need it for your own spiritual eyes. You're blind. 2 Corinthians tells us those who are blind are those who don't see the gospel, who the godless world has blinded. And so he says to them, behold, I stand at the door and I knock and I knock. And for 17 years, he knocked on the door of my heart. And for 17 years, I didn't fully understand it and I didn't fully get it. But man, he was knocking and it got louder and louder and louder until finally, one night, the blinders were removed. The Holy Spirit revealed to me I was naked in my own self-righteousness and I needed to be saved. And on that night, I became a new person. I received the Holy Spirit. I received his forgiveness and grace. The gold of heaven was poured out into my life. I received the righteousness of God. I became a new creature in Christ. Has that happened for you? Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just like Laodicea, there were people sitting in church They'd grown up in church, but they did not know the God of the church. I wonder if there's somebody here today, the reason you're here, God wanted to show that to you. He wanted to speak to you and say, you're like Laodicea. You look good on the outside, you're doing stuff for me, but just like he said in Matthew 7, on that day, many will say, we did this in your name. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. Just like Laodicea. If that's you, right where you are, you could say, God, that's me. God, I'm, I'm done playing games. God, I receive you. I need you. Lord, I'm bankrupt. I'm wretched. I'm naked in my own self-righteousness. Lord, I need you to save me. Call out to him right now. If that's you, just say, God, save me, and he will. Maybe you've cried out to God like that before, but like Sardis, you're spiritually dead right now. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to say, God, fill me. God, I need to strengthen what remains. Lord, I need to abide in you. God, I don't want to do it in my own strength anymore. God, may your power be alive in me. Father God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. For those who are worshiping online, what you're doing in their hearts as well. God, may you be honored in these moments. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.